At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. So Kristen and Scott just got back from a rather unique cruise adventure because they did two different cruises. They did a Coral Princess Cruise, that's a Princess Cruise ship, and also a Ruby Princess Cruise, which obviously is another Princess Cruise ship. Kristen joins us on the line. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Doug. So I got to say, in 10 years of doing this, I've never had one of these kind of interviews before. So we're going to just play this one by ear and fly by the seat of our pants here. We'll start it off, as always, getting some pre-cruise thoughts. Two different cruise ships, two different itineraries. What was the thought behind this? So to understand why we put together these these two cruises, uh, you have to understand that Princess's loyalty program goes by either number of cruises or number of days at sea. So we're currently at platinum status, which is the second highest level. To get to the highest level tier, which is elite, you need either 15 cruises or 150 days at sea. So coming into this cruise, we had had 10 cruises on Princess. So we were trying to figure out how can we get to elite status quicker. And one of the ways that's fairly popular and very convenient if you live on the West Coast is to do their Pacific Coastals or California Coastal Cruises, which can be one night up to up to a full, you know, a full regular cruise, seven nights if you want. But they do a lot of short cruises, two, three, four days. So it obviously doesn't make a lot of economic sense living in St. Louis to fly out for such a, a short cruise. So what we tried to do is to figure out how could we combine a couple of them, cobble together our own itinerary, either spend time ahead of the cruise or in between the segments or at the end in in the various desti- port dust desti- embarkation or, or disembarkation ports. And so that's what we ended up doing. So we flew into L.A. We spent a night pre-cruise in L.A. Then we did the Coral Princess cruise, which was three nights from L.A. to Vancouver. No port stops, all sea days. Then we spent two nights in Vancouver. And then we took a one-night cruise on Ruby Princess from Vancouver to Seattle. So that got us two cruises closer towards elite status. So that's the that's the background as to why we picked these specific cruises and, and how we ended up putting together this whole vacation uh, itinerary. Okay, so you embarked Coral Princess. I'm just trying to connect the dots here. You embarked Coral Princess in L.A., Right. Uh, so we were in uh, we were in the San San Pedro embarkation. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And how was that embarkation process for you? We were in the pier that you are the port the pier ninety two, which was interesting because it's got a lot of they're they're they don't have physical buildings. It's like big tents. Mm-hmm. Was so that was kind of strange. Uh, because uh, actually Ruby Princess was in port also, and she had the bigger pier, so she got the she got the good pier. But um, it actually we we had heard we'd heard some kind of mixed stories about embarkation in San Pedro. We've only done it once before. It was many years ago. When we did a Mexican Riviera cruise, so we didn't really remember what our experience was like. We actually went th- got through. Uh, 
embarkation really quick. We uh, we were there about got there about 11 o'clock and we were uh, through security <clears throat> and embarkation air into the waiting area by about 11.15. And actually, we didn't even have time to sit down because they immediately had started calling for all elite and all platinum because we get preferred uh, priority embarkation. They'd already started boarding those groups. So we just basically kept on walking and walked right on board the ship. And was your experience about the same when you went to embark Ruby in Vancouver? Not exactly. Vancouver was sort of chaos because there were, let's see, there were three, there were three ships total in port in Vancouver. And it was the beginning, this is right at the beginning, right, of, of Alaska cruising season. So they hadn't quite figured out their, their processes, so to speak. We, so you had different people saying, well, no, you need to line up here to, for, to start the, uh, the embarkation line. Um, or if you have luggage, you need to go over here. It was, it was really kind of chaos. In fact, we knew it seemed like the people in line more what was going on than the actual staff people <laughs> in the Vancouver cruise terminal. So that was that was pretty uh, that was pretty chaotic. We got on board. Let's see, we got on board for Ruby. So let's see, we got to the port about ten thirty, and we weren't able to get on board until about eleven twenty. So it was it definitely took some time. We spent quite a bit of time standing standing in line in the bottom in the bottom part of the cruise terminal. Coral Princess is about five years older or so than Ruby Princess. Comparing your first impressions between the two, what did you think? This was our first time sailing Coral, and it was our second time sailing Ruby. We'd been on Coral's sister ship island for our Alaska cruise 13 years ago. So it had been quite some time since we'd sailed on that, that class of ship. Um, Ruby, we'd sailed in back in 2014 for our Canada-New England cruise. So it was, uh, that was much more recent. Um, Coral is a is really a, a wonderful ship in terms of the size of the ship and the number of passengers. I don't have the I don't know the exact statistics, but I I've read before that in terms of the per passenger public space ratio that island and coral have one of the highest in the fleet. And it was really quite noticeable. You really felt like You'd walk around the ship and you'd really feel like, where is everybody? I have this whole ship to myself. It was, it was, uh, it's, it's really got some nice, nice appeal from, from that, from that perspective. Ruby, of course, like I said, we'd been on once before. Um, so that was, that was fairly, fairly familiar in terms of, um, coming on board for, for embarkation. There were some new enhanced features, particularly in dining, that we were anxious to check out. So that was definitely kind of our focus with Ruby. All right. So let's talk about the staterooms. And since we're kind of tracking here with Coral and Ruby, um, let's talk about the staterooms on the two ships. So on Coral, we had originally booked what was called an obstructed view, ocean view stateroom on Emerald Deck. But then about three months prior to sailing, a princess offered us an upgrade cost uh, $78 and we could upgrade to a premium view balcony stateroom on Carib deck. Uh, so we opted to do that and we enjoyed that. This was finally our first opportunity to be on a ship that has the new princess bed 
the, the I don't know if I forgot what the, their tagline is for it, the luxury bed. I guess that's what it's called. So we've we've managed to miss it on our, our, our last several cruises um, in terms of the schedule of rollouts. So finally, we got a chance to try the new the new luxury bed. And it is wonderful. Fantastic. Um, so that was definitely a highlight uh, of the cabin. Uh, it's got a, a new nice new big flat screen TV on the wall, uh, which is great. Um, it's otherwise a fairly typical balcony stateroom for Princess. I do it. It of course, unfortunately, has the the dreaded shower curtain mm-hmm. as opposed to a nice glass door. And and the showers on this particular class ship. And I remember this from our cruise on Island Princess. I think they are literally the smallest postage stamp size <laughs> shower of any <laughs> cruise ship that I've been on. So we enjoyed them. I wish the weather. The weather was not super ideal for spending a lot of time out on the deck it was it we didn't have rain but it was rather overcast oftentimes breezy and temperatures air temperatures i think were probably in the 50s mm-hmm. for most of the cruise so um, so we didn't hang out on our balcony a lot, um, but it was nice. Now, with Ruby, we took a different approach. Uh, since it was only a one-night cruise, we decided, well, you know, let's just let's just go for an inside cabin. But we picked a particular type of inside cabin that I'd read a lot about. And it's what what you what it's what I call it the sideways stateroom. So if you look on a if you look on a on a uh, deck plan, you'll see that. Instead of the cabins, you know, when you walk down the hallway, you walk into the stateroom and to your left is the uh, the kind of the desk built, you know, built into the wall, the desk area. The bed then is to your left. And then there was a really spacious walking area between the bed and then to your right. And then there was a wall of closet space, lots of closet space. And then you kept walking so this would be the tea part, I guess, if you're looking at it, into for the into the bathroom. Hmm. So it's a unique kind of a unique layout. Like I said, I've I've read I've read folks who have really liked that layout, what I called the sideways um, inside stateroom. So like I said we thought we'd try it, and it was it was really actually surprising how much space. You know, I I think you know depending upon the itinerary, I you know might certainly consider it. Um, you know, I, obviously I usually prefer, uh, an outside, uh, mm-hmm. window or, or balcony, of course, just yeah. from the light factor, you know, an inside stateroom, you never know if it's day or night, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of disorienting. But like I said, it was, it was pretty spacious. Also, uh, also had the luxury bed because that had been rolled out to Ruby princess. So we got to enjoy that again. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, so that was, it was, it certainly, certainly fit the bill for a, for a one night cruise. So I'm curious, how much dining did you get to squeeze in between the two cruises? <laughs> so with uh, with the three night cruise uh, on Coral, we decided we wanted to do um, at least at least two of the nights we were going to do specialty dining. Coral and Island have what's called the Bayou Cafe and Steakhouse. So instead of if you're you're familiar with Princess uh, ships, you know that they typically have a crown grill. Is this that's the usually that what their steakhouse is called? So on Coral and Island, it's different. It's it's Bayou. It's a whole New Orleans kind of theme uh for the for the ship so it's unique from that perspective so um so we we definitely uh wanted to do that and then coral also has uh sabatini's the italian restaurant 
And we had not been to Sabatini's since they came out with what I'll call menu, I think menu version 3.0. Um, <clears throat> so we hadn't tried that new, the whole new menu that, that Sabatini's offered. So we did, we did that. Um, we were hoping they were going to offer Crab Shack because I know that it's, it's a, it's spotlighted as being offered on that ship. But I guess with, with only the three night itinerary, they, uh, they chose not to, not to do that. So we ended up for the last night, um, they were having, uh, Indian featured food in the buffet. So we just decided to, to keep it casual and do the buffet for the third night. So that's what we ended up doing for, for the dinner for coral. Um, one other thing that we did do besides just kind of doing the buffet, like you typically often do for breakfast or lunch is they offered in, I mentioned Sabatini's at lunch, they have a complimentary, they, they, they have a, an adapted menu from Alfredo's Pizzeria. So on the Royal class ships, the princess folks will know that there's a whole separate complimentary restaurant called Alfredo's and they do pizzas, um, some delicious pastas, I think some salads as well. And so, um, they actually did an abbreviated menu, unfortunately not the pastas, but they did offer many more pizza options than what you can normally just get in the, at the, at the pizzeria on, on board. So they do that for lunch at Sabatini's and again, at no charge. And so that's kind of maybe a, a, a tip I'd give folks. Um, check that out. If, uh, if you have a Sabatini's on your ship, they may be offering, and it's not a Royal class ship. They may be offering uh, the Alfredo's, uh, menu as an option. So that was, that was nice. Um, Ruby, of course, you know, being only one night, um, we of course just, um, went with the, uh, went with the buffet, um, for, for a few things for, for lunch. But what we really wanted to do was try, um, part of the upgrades that had happened to Ruby since we last sailed her Mm -hmm. was they had expanded, the on-deck pizzeria and renamed it. So now it's called Slice. And in addition to the classic uh, pizza uh, that we all know and love for on Princess, they also offered bruschetta, if you want, caprese toast, uh, which is what I had, which was delicious. And um, I do think they had avocado toast for those who are, who are fans of that. I think they had one other option as well. So that was really nice to have to have a few more choices. They also took the the burger grill and they have renamed that too to be the salty dog grill. So they offer some expanded options there as well, which is nice. And then for dinner, we had decided we had not been on a ship that had the salty dog gastropub. And what that is, is they take a corner of the wheelhouse bar and they've converted it into a small little restaurant seating area uh, with with the Salty Dog Gastropub menu. So that's um, for a cover charge of $12. You got to choose an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. And this is where, for those who are familiar with the Salty Dog, that the probably the most popular item that's come out of that menu is what's called the Ernesto Burger. It's gotten a lot of accolades for being one of the best burgers at sea. Now, I haven't done the whole guy's burger thing personally, so I can't compare that. But uh, Scott did have the Ernesto Burger, and he certainly he certainly raved about it. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we ended up doing for for dinner on our our one night on Ruby. The gastro pub you went to, you were just talking about. Is the Wheelhouse Bar the same place they do the fish and chips for lunch? 
Yes, that okay. is where um, often, usually, so for instance, on a, on a typical maybe seven-night cruise um, where you have maybe two or three sea days, at least one of those sea days, they will offer complimentary, yeah, English, English pub lunch in the wheelhouse bar. Yep. Have you ever done the Crab Shack? Yes, we did the Crab Shack on, it might have been Ruby Princess. Um, I'm trying, I, I think it might have been. Um, we've done it one time. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Um, it was it was really good food. So like I said, I was, I was kind of excited to get a chance to have it again. Um, I was kind of bummed that they didn't offer it on the, on that third, on that third night. As far as the entertainment on the two sailings, we'll start with Coral because that seemed to be the longest one. How was that between Coral and Ruby? So we went to we went to one. I think they only offered, if I remember right, only one production show on the three night Coral sailing. Uh, it was called Encore, and it was it was okay. Um, it didn't really. It was really more kind of a collection of songs. Um, surprisingly, about a I'd say maybe a third of which were Italian or opera which I was a little, maybe a little surprised at. I certainly sort of kind of maybe expected that thing, kind of uh, entertainment maybe on more on the MSC cruise that we did last year than, uh, than Princess. But they had a, they had a guest soprano. She was, she was amazing. Um, but overall, I was just kind of, eh, wasn't, wasn't one of my favorite production shows. Um, they had a, they had a late night comedian on that cruise uh, that we went to. And we also went to hear the piano player a couple times in uh, in Crooner's Bar. But um, yeah, that was that was the uh, the entertainment for Coral. Now Ruby Ruby was was fun because they had brought on board Carlos Oscar, who was one of the past year's Princess Entertainer of the Year. And and I I know we've seen him before on another cruise. I can't remember which one. So I knew when I saw his name, like I knew he was going to be good. And he was he was quite funny. Um, they didn't offer a production show the one night. They had some kind of a performer in the Princess Theater, but we didn't we didn't go to see her. Okay. And then on Sea Days, uh, I guess you really didn't have any on Ruby, so we'll talk about Coral. How was it as far as crowds and congestion? Well, like I mentioned, the the passenger space ratio on this on this ship is is really quite amazing. So um, we we uh, we didn't really have any problems finding. Uh, finding uh, places on board. Again, with the weather being kind of eh, uh, we didn't really spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, one day we did spend some time um, in the indoor pool area. And again, didn't have any problems trying to find find a lounger. I'd say the only time that, was, that it was um, congested was the library on board, the coral. And this was the case on the island. I assume it still is. Uh, is definitely... Uh, the best library of any of the princess ships that I've been on. They have about eight leather club chair, chair and footstools, and this this the library is faces out to the promenade deck. Mm -hmm. So it's just wonderful to be able to sit in these comfy, cozy little leather chairs. Read your book, listen to your music, watch the sea go by. Uh, it's one of my fa it was one of my favorite places on board island. So I was really excited to finally get a chance to go back to the library. Um, but of course, being like I said, with weather kind of being at, eh, it was fairly popular. Yeah. So <laughs> had to wait had to wait a couple times to uh, to get get one of those primo primo chairs in the library. But other than that, like I said, no no issues trying to find space on board the ship. It's really quite remarkable. Like I said, you you really wonder if uh, are there are there is 
was the ship sailing full or not? And, and maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure how popular the three-night cruise was, but um, it certainly you certainly got to enjoy a very relaxed feel on board. On either ship, did you notice the cigarette smoke um, being a little too strong um, in or around the casino? I don't honestly remember us walking by the casino all that much. So, um, no, I, I, I don't really remember anything specifically in for either for either ship. Yeah, not not specifically. You know how people will say I didn't learn the ship until the last day of the cruise. Were either of these ships like that? I'd say it's, they're fairly they're fairly easy to navigate. I think the the most of the main features of the ships are usually found in in the same places. Now, uh, as they've done some kind of retrofits of things over the years, some things are different. Like for instance, the uh, in I think not this most recent, but I guess the the big dry dock before this, where they put in and I guess they took away some. I guess they maybe took the casino bar and they converted it into um, the International Cafe, which is a very popular feature on board the Princess Ships. But it was really strange for it to be next to the casino on, I guess, if that, maybe that was the promenade deck, as opposed to being down in the in the piazza in the atrium, which is where you always find the International Cafe right. on any other on any other uh, princess ship really that that has that. So I guess they felt like they didn't have space, I guess, to put it in the piazza on board this ship, and they chose to put it up by the casino. So that was just that was always kind of jarring to me. I'm like, wait a minute, it's not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, Coral has a couple unique features. The most unique feature I would say is now um, it is now the only ship because they made horrendous changes to island and got rid of it. Um, But the back of the ship has a two deck, what's called the universe lounge. So it's a basically a smaller, really it's a smaller show theater. I mean, it's really got a pretty big, pretty big stage area. Um, um, That's where we had bingo. Um, I'm not sure what other specific activities um, they offered in there. I know it was used a lot, but it's it's a it's a kind of a really unique lounge that that you don't find on now on any on any other ship in the fleet. Um, but other than that, uh, like I said, usually if you know your way around, uh, if you've been on other princess ships, it'll be it'll be pretty familiar to you the the layout. So as far as disembarkation, I want to talk about Ruby Princess first because you actually boarded in Vancouver. And don't you clear customs before you board the ship in Vancouver for the U.S.? We did not clear customs before we boarded. Mm-hmm. We had to clear customs after uh, after we got to Seattle. Um, we So we we got off the ship. We chose to get off fairly early because we were actually going to meet up with friends of Scott's who actually had arrived uh, on Norwegian Joy into Seattle. So we really wanted to get off the ship pretty quick. So we uh, we got we got off, did self assist, uh, and we got off about eight o'clock, and we got through customs in Seattle by about eight thirty. Now, as I we had friends that we were sailing with, they tried to get off the ship, <clears throat> I think maybe an hour or so later, and something happened. I, I don't know if, again, if this was the, it's the beginning of the season and working out the logistical operational processes or whatnot, but something happened somehow with paperwork, and they they were stuck 
trying to get through customs in Seattle and get out for about three hours or so. Mm. It was horrendous. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure what all happened there. I'm just thankful that we got ourselves off the ship quickly and <laughs> we were out. <laughs> and we were we were out by about 8.30. So. And for Coral Princess, how was Debark in Vancouver? So for Coral... We also just decided to do to do walk off. So again, we got off the ship about eight o'clock. That was even faster. We were off. We were through customs in Vancouver by about eight fifteen, and we got a taxi to the hotel that we were going to stay at for the two nights. And we were in the hotel by like eight thirty in the morning. Wow! So yeah, it was quite uh, quite quick. Where did y'all stay in um, Vancouver? So we stayed at the Sunset Inn and Suites, okay. uh, which is a couple blocks off of Davy Avenue in the West End area. So it was it was really it was really nice. We uh, we 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 really really enjoyed the hotel. It was a tremendous value. We had this beautiful beautiful suite um, with um, full kitchen and um, nice nice uh, big king size bed, big living and dining room area. And uh, it was a really it was a really great value for considering how pricey Vancouver downtown hotels can be. Um, And it was great for uh, we could walk to a lot of things. Um, uh, It was so it was really nice, nicely located. So we were kind of off. We were we were away from kind of the hustle and bustle areas. So it was it was very quiet, kind of in a it's tucked away kind of in a residential neighborhood, but yet still convenient to to get to get around. All right, so let's wrap up the interview here with some final tips. Do you have any um, tips to offer? We'll start with Coral Princess. Well, first of all, definitely if you see the uh, the Alfredo's Pizzeria lunch option being offered in Sabatini's, uh, take advantage of that. Um, we also found out that if you're a fan of the tiramisu martini, the only bar that you can get that on board the ship is in the Bayou Steakhouse. And uh, so we we found out about that too late after the bar had closed. So we missed out on our chance to have the tiramisu martini, which I understand is really wonderful. And then we were really hoping to see, I mentioned this Universe Lounge and how it's kind of a, can, cannot really do production shows. They actually have, again, unique to Coral because of the whole New Orleans theming. It's called By the Bayou. But I guess because we only had a three-night cruise, they chose not to offer it. So I imagine that if you were on a, you know, a more standard-length cruise, you'd have a chance to, to see that production show. So again, since that's unique to Coral, I would, I would certainly recommend it. I've heard wonderful things about it and was bummed we didn't get to see it. Okay. And how about for Ruby? For Ruby. So again, uh, obviously for a one-night cruise, unless you live out there, and that's kind of the vibe that you got, I think, with, with a one-night cruise, it was sort of like, hello and goodbye, all in the same t- <laughs> at the same time for a one-night cruise. Um, so a lot of people were local, either live in Seattle or live in Vancouver, and then they were just going to either take Amtrak or, you know, bus back up to whatever their respective a city is. Um, but it's a nice option to combine it. Like I said, if you can combine it with another cruise like we did to try to accelerate your way to for a for, for higher loyalty status, it's a it's a nice opportunity to do that. Ruby has a lot of great, uh, great features. Um, certainly, certainly uh, the Salty Dog Gastropub was really was really nice. And it was really nice to see the expanded and enhanced Uh, dining options on deck for the pizzeria and the grill. So definitely would recommend you take advantage of those as well. Very good. Um, By the way, you stayed at the, you stayed on the Queen Mary, right? In Long Beach? 
We did, yes. So what that was our that was our pre-night cruise. Yes, let's let's start the cruise vacation by staying on a former cruise ship, <laughs> the Queen Mary in Long Beach. Yeah, we had never done that before. So we did do that for one night. We had a good time, enjoyed exploring the ship. We did all the there there's three different guided tours that they mm-hmm. offer and we did all of those. It was, you know, obviously a great historical factor. So if you're a, if you're a cruise buff and you know, I, I would certainly recommend you do it once. Um, you know, it's it doesn't it doesn't have the same uh, perhaps amenities, comfort level um, that you know nice nice modern hotels have. So um, you know, you got to keep that in mind. I, I don't know that I would try to want to stay on board in the peak of summertime because the temperature controls aren't really there, at least in the kind of room we stayed in, which I think was the same the same one you did. Yeah. Uh, so if it was really, really super hot in L.A., that might be a little uncomfortable being on board. But um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, if you're if you're into if you're into the history of, of ocean liners and cruising and whatnot, it's it's definitely something that you got to you got to check off a bucket list item to do it so yeah the ac thing was kind of interesting because like at nighttime it was hot in our room and so we called the front desk and like oh we control it from up here so they turned the ac on and then like at four o'clock in the morning we woke up shivering pretty much so we asked them to turn it off and then we were like roasting again so <laughs> yeah it's interesting to see how the climate kind of impacts the whole overall overall stay so yeah i mm-hmm. think in the summertime i definitely wouldn't want to want to be on that thing at all but the tour though i mean well i I did three of the tours as well like you did and that one tour the engine room tour how cool was that oh that was amazing yeah definitely and if you stay if uh, if you stay at the uh, on board um or i think actually if you're if you just come on board to dine at one of the restaurants you can get what they call the all access pass for $25, which is a discount of, I don't know, maybe $5 or so, or 10, if compared to buying all three of the tours individually. So, so yeah, that's definitely the way to go if you're really wanting to maximize and learn everything about the history of the ship, um, the, 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 the features, the structure, the construction of the ship. And of course, there's a yeah, as people well know, it's reputation for being a haunted ship. Not that we saw any yeah. uh, spirits while we were touring, but uh, it's kind of fun to hear the stories that uh, that uh, have uh, the supposed happenings that have ha- occurred on board the ship. So. Did they tell you about the guy who tried to jump through the water tight door and it cut him in half? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. Yep. I really wanted to see the swimming pool, but they had that closed off for, I guess, renovation whenever... We were staying yeah, on it. Yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, you. I mean, you could you could go up to the door, the locked doors that have you know windows in them, right? And you could and they had lights in the in the swimming pool area, so you could see some illumination in the pool area. Um, but yeah, that's as much as you could as much as you could see of the pool. Yeah. All right, Kristen. Well, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your stay on Coral Princess for the three-night cruise and the one-night cruise on Ruby Princess. Uh, Great insight, and thank you again. Always a pleasure to talk cruising with you, Doug. Very fascinating way to expedite your loyalty status by just jumping on a small back-to-back cruise like that um, if the cruise line does count per sailing and not days. Um, So with that said, actually, if you have a way to expedite your loyalty status. I'd love to share it with the audience. Let me know, Doug at cruiseradio.net. And thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you Thursday. Take care.